breaking news from KXAN News. That breaking news this morning, look at this, a home on fire in southeast Austin. This is video of firefighters when they first got to the scene overnight. The fire coming out of the windows and the door. Austin firefighters say the home is destroyed. Firefighters were called out to Bucks Run near East William Cannon Drive and South Pleasant Valley Road. This was around 2.30 this morning. They say the home's owner and his dog were the only ones there at the time of the fire. They were outside when firefighters got there. Firefighters had to help them get out of the backyard because they were surrounded by the fire. And they briefly evacuated some of the neighbors who live there, but they are now back inside. The fire department taking that man to the hospital as a precaution. Investigators don't know where the fire started. They also don't know what started it. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Good Thursday morning. Good to be back with you this morning. We start with the live look outside. I'm taking you south. This is Buda, courtesy of our Rock and Dirt Yard camera there. Look at that temperature, 34 degrees. In fact, we've got most of the Austin Metro in those lower 30s, hovering right at about freezing, if not maybe one or two degrees above it. 31 in Georgetown, first freeze there. 37 Burnett, 37 Lano, 36 in Fredericksburg, but Bastrop. 34 at the moment. Temperatures running a little bit cooler in most areas because we have lighter winds. Light winds, dry skies, cloudless skies too. That's the recipe to see cold night. That's exactly what happened last night into this morning. Those temperatures dropped like a rock, but they will recover nicely because we've got the same kind of setup heading into the afternoon. Plenty of sunshine, light winds, dry conditions. That's going to help get that number up to about 67 downtown. Parents, no need for the uh, rain gear today, but certainly a jacket needed this morning. As far as what we've got coming up, I'm going to show you how far this warming trend takes us because today's only day one. This thing kicks in all the way through the start of next week. I've got your weekend planner to show you first weekend of November, not necessarily feeling like November, and timing of the next cold front. I'll tell you when it's likely we'll see this warming trend end coming up in your first winning forecast, but let's get you another check on traffic with Erica. Thanks so much, Kristen. Good morning, 532 and things up in Williamson County look good. This is near Westinghouse and I-35 northbound southbound. No issues popping up up north or down south or in central Austin. In fact, right now not really seeing any delays on I-35 or Mopac. There are some delays on 290 in Maynard headed westbound. So from Maynard into that Austin corridor, there is a crash right near George Bush Street. It does look like the fire department has left the scene, but officials are still on the scene watching that crash. So watch out for that one if you're heading into Austin from Maynard. And there are some delays on FM 973, very close to Tesla, right there at Thion Drive. But your drive time's not a problem yet. It's still relatively early. Give me another hour and things will start to change. Tom, Sally. Today, first responders are going to continue their testimony in the trial of Caitlin Armstrong. She's the woman accused of killing another woman, pro cyclist Mo Wilson. A prosecutor say Armstrong had an off and on again relationship with a fellow professional cyclist. His name, Colin Strickland. Yeah, and they say that Strickland and Wilson had that brief romantic relationship in the past, and it could have played a role in the alleged murder. KXAN's Dylan McKim joins us live to break down the first day of the trial. Good morning, Dylan. Hey, good morning, guys. We heard from eight witnesses yesterday, including Caitlin Cash. She's the woman Wilson was staying with in Austin, and she called 911 after finding Wilson shot. She testified that Wilson and Strickland 
were not romantically involved at the time of her death. Now, our cameras were allowed to be in the courtroom during opening statements. The state laid out its evidence against Armstrong, including surveillance footage of Armstrong's car by the crime scene and ballistic evidence matching spent shell casings to Armstrong's 9mm pistol. There's a surveillance camera with an audio portion to it. Two gunshots. One to the front of the head, one to the side of the head that hits the index finger as it passes. And after that four or five seconds of silence, Caden Armstrong stood over Mo Wilson and put a third shot right in Mo Wilson's heart. Now, defense attorneys reminded the jury the burden of proof is on the state, arguing there is no video of Armstrong actually shooting Wilson. During testimony, we heard from first responders from that night. We even saw police body camera footage from when they first arrived on scene. <clears throat> now, there are still notable witnesses we have not heard from yet, including Colin Strickland. It's important to note that according to the state's timeline of the night of the murder, Strickland had dropped off Wilson at her friend's house just 40 minutes before those gunshots were heard. Tom, Sally. Dylan McKim for us this morning. Thank you, Dylan. This morning, life returns to an Israeli kibbutz. These farming communities are a place where residents live and work together and they share everything. It's a community that shares a lot, but on October 7th, they were the target of Hamas. NBC News' Raf Sanchez followed Yarnin, an Israeli photographer, as he returned to his home in Kibbutzberry for the first time since the attack. Was there any part of you that was... I don't know, afraid or worried to come back here or? Naturally. Yeah. It's like, I know already I'm going to see places that I cherish and they are there all my life. I mean, there is no Barry without them. Yeah. And I know they're not going to be there. Yeah. So it saddens me, but it's part of life and we'll have to rebuild. It's not going to be the same. Yeah. It's going to be different. Later on today, he's sharing his story of heartbreak and hope as they walk through what is left, all the rubble, and look back on his photos to process what happened. This also comes as hundreds of foreign nationals and dozens of seriously injured Palestinians have been allowed to leave Gaza. It's the first time that's happened since the war started. Their departures through the Rafah crossing into Egypt coming after the release of four hostages by Hamas, also the rescue of an Israeli soldier. Back here at home, parking spaces at future homes in Austin could be changing. Austin City Council meeting today and could consider eliminating minimum parking space requirements from the city's land development code. An affordability impact statement by the city of Austin's housing and planning department said the removal of parking minimums will help lower the cost of building a home, allowing for developers to hit desired profit levels while also yielding lower market rent prices. Council's also gonna vote to implement changes to parkland dedication ordinances. This is in order to comply with a new state law that passed last session. Previously, Austin ordinance required developers to provide nearly 10 acres of parkland per 1,000 residents or face a fee. The new state law requires local officials to reduce that amount down to 3,000 square feet in Austin's downtown and three acres in suburban neighborhoods. The law goes into effect this January. 
A decision from a federal jury could change the way that homes are bought and sold. The National Association of Realtors and other large brokerage firms were found to have conspired to inflate commissions for home sales. The plaintiffs, a group of more than 260,000 home sellers, objected to the commissions that they were obligated to pay buyers brokers. The verdict found the NAR, Berkshire Owned Home Services of America, and two subsidiaries, Keller Williams, uh, were liable to pay nearly $2 billion in damages. The time right now is 5.38, and Austin police say a 23-year-old man faked a lease agreement and stole $4,000 from a would-be home buyer. Earlier this month, the victim met with Juan Vasquez Jr. They were near Bee Cave at what the prospective buyer thought was an office to sign a lease. Court documents say the man signed a fake contract and gave Vasquez $2,000 as a deposit. He then paid another $2,000 in rent and police say the man tried to enter his home after that, but the keys didn't work. APD later tracked similar cases linked to the suspect with the same name. And as of this morning, police haven't yet arrested Vasquez. He is accused of committing a felony. Downtown, near downtown, Zilker's Great Lawn back open. Cleanup and repairs after the Austin City Limits Music Festival shut it down. But crews say you want to watch out because there could be standing water in some areas because of all the rain we've had. City says there will not be a total closure of the lawn like we've seen in the past for the holiday season. All right. Well, the state's energy grid operator says it's changed the threshold it uses to initiate energy emergency alerts. ERCOT triggers these alerts when operating reserves drop below a specified level. So you may remember getting texts during this summer's heat wave. And because of today's change, it'll take less of a dip in operating reserves to actually trigger those alerts. If you're heading to Boston, you are going to have another option. Flyers between Austin and Boston have a new route from Southwest, which will resume seasonal service next year. The airline will begin weekend service on June 8th, and customers can now book tickets through August 4th. We've got a look at the scheduled times for that route on our website, kxan.com. Mm, who wants a lobster roll? There you go. That would have come in handy for you. You flew to Boston recently. <laughs> can I tell you? If you missed it, half the weather team flew to Boston, then we couldn't get back to Austin. It was, so it was flight delay after flight delay. So nice to have another option there to the Non-stop East Coast. Non-stop is nice. Non-stop is so nice. Yeah. It is. It's the way to go. Flyer, man. When I'm booking, I click like non-stop. Only. Don't even give me the option. Exactly. Don't even show me a four-hour layover anywhere. It's not worth it. Let me show you what's going on with the calendar here. I wanted to back up and show you October because we were kind of all over the place, right? We had a few days at normal, but then we went through these wild swings of hotter than normal and colder than normal, hotter than normal and colder. This is likely going to continue, but on the warmer side heading into the first week of November. Look at that temperature climb here below normal today. We'll flirt with it tomorrow. 76 is actually average for us, but then look at the warmth we've got coming our way for the weekend. 80s and doesn't even just stop this weekend. We've got 80s on the way next week. Lower, uh, low temperatures, I should say, lower than normal for sure tomorrow morning. But we do get up to average, if not even surpass it in the mornings to come. So kind of a mix here. We're, we're getting out of this cooling trend and we're getting into a warming trend that's probably going to stick around through most of next week. That takes us through the middle of November. The higher confidence of warmer than normal temperatures 
But look at the precipitation outlook. We love to see this, and boy, do we need this. It was nice to see that, that wet last week of October. If we can get another week like that, we could really start to chip away at the drought. What are the normal conditions more likely than not for next week as well? Coming up, I'm going to show you this week's 7-day forecast, and it does not look like this. We've got dry skies and more so a focus on temperatures. More on that coming up. Good morning. The Rangers went for their first ever World Series championship. We'll bring you the action from Phoenix in Game 5 of the World Series later in sports. Keep it here. Good morning, a live picture this morning over North Austin and Q2 Stadium there in the background. A big day in the sports world in Texas. Let's look at that. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning. What a turnaround for the Rangers. Six straight losing seasons. They overcame a rough end of the season, fighting their way into the playoffs as a wild card team. And now they're at the top. In year 63, Rangers undefeated on the road heading into Game 5 of the World Series last night. They wanted to cement themselves as the best road warriors ever in the playoffs. Pick up in the top of the sixth, Zach Gallon with a strikeout. He had a no-hitter at that point. Nathan Evaldi didn't have a no-hitter, but he was wheeling and dealing himself. He had a strikeout right here. Five Ks and six strikeout shutout innings, excuse me, for Evaldi. Top of the seventh, still with that no-hitter, but that goes bye-bye. Thanks to Corey Seager's base hit to left field. So the Rangers are like, all right, we got some mojo. Evaldi cheering him on. And then after an Evan Carter double, two on Mitch Garver. RBI single to make it one nothing. Rangers. Then at the top of the ninth with two on Jonah Hyde. Hits this one to center field, and that's going to score two runs after it goes past Carroll, and that's 3 nothing Rangers. Then a little later, Marcus Simeon delivers the final blow. This two-run shot made it five-zip Rangers, and all they needed to do was get three more outs after that. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, Josh Sabors fitting. He strikes out the D-backs' hottest hitter, Cattell Marte. And the Rangers clinched their first World Series title 5-0, 11-0 in the postseason on the road. That is a major league record. Bruce Bochy winning a World Series in his first year as the Texas Rangers manager. What a story. All right, that does it for sports. Let's go back over to you. Well, just as competitive here at KXAN, the Friendsgiving Challenge is back. We're going to show you a QR code here on your screen. It's going to take you to KXAN.com slash Friendsgiving. This is going to be your opportunity to donate for the Central Texas Food Bank. Now, this is a competition we do every November. leads up to Thanksgiving Day. I take on Chief Meteorologist David Yeoman head-to-head. -head. We have a competition to see who can raise more money for our local food bank. So, for perspective here, $10 can actually feed a family for a month. So it doesn't take much, but we need your help. So participate if you can. Cakesand.com slash Friendsgiving to donate. You got to vote for Kristen. <laughs> Team Kristen, because <laughs> David is already trash talking. I know. You weren't even here yesterday. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. surprise me from that guy. You know, he's just... <laughs> 
He's one of those things. I got. Oh, we got to play nice, right? Yes, it's all in good fun. But the claws will come out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got so much time. No we got so much time. I ain't worried. We'll, yeah, I ain't worried. Exactly. You guys got my back. I know you do. <laughs> Let me show you what's going on with your forecast here. Clouds and radar not showing anything around us. We are going to see a nice quiet day. We've got clear skies out there. Ooh, chilly, 37 degrees. Look at that humidity at 89%, those north winds, which keep us again on the cooler side, less than five miles per hour. Your temperatures will recover. It'll take a little bit to get that sun up and warm, warm us up as we're still in the lower 40s by nine. Lunchtime temperatures in those upper 50s, so maybe still a light jacket, but we're on our way to a forecast high of 67. We've got mainly sunny skies today. In fact, even a few puffy clouds might be hard to find. Tonight, we'll get down to those 50s by eight, eventually those 30s and 40s will follow. What's the weather pattern here? Well, high pressure out to the west. You'll notice the jet stream kind of flattens here as we get into the next several days. We call it the zonal flow when the jet stream pretty much just runs west to east right over the U.S. There's no big wiggles, no big storms in the jet or jet stream pattern, I should say. And we're going to say fairly quiet. We've got mainly sunny skies, a little bit of cloud cover here and there, but warmer temperatures courtesy of some south-southeast winds. Though that wind shift is going to kick in today. So Today will be the coolest day of the next seven. You really start to notice it here getting into the weekend. Tomorrow's the transition day into the 70s. And then we're above average here Saturday and Sunday in those lower 80s. Rainfall. Not going to find it this week, unfortunately. Seven-day rainfall forecast showing big old goose egg there. Seven-day forecast, upper 60s today, down to the 40s tonight. So cold, but not quite as cold as where we've been. 70s for your Friday underneath that mainly sunny sky. Game day looks fantastic. High of 80 there. That is an early kick, so we spend most of the game in the 70s. Don't forget, clock's going backwards. We love to see it Sunday, getting that extra hour of sleep. And then you'll notice we're going to be flirting with some records here, it looks like. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with those highs in the mid to upper 80s. Overnight lows getting milder in the 50s and 60s. Timing of next cold front, that looks to be sometime between late next Wednesday into Thursday. So we'll keep you updated as we get closer. A Williamson County poll worker has been hospitalized after a reported confrontation at a polling location in Leander. And KXAN's Mercedes Hernandez looks at why a poll watcher is being blamed. Monday night at the Leander Public Library, a poll worker had a medical emergency. The election workers uh, heroically in performing CPR and were able to locate a defibrillator in the facility to revive the gentleman. During this week's commissioner's court meeting, County Judge Bill Gravel pointed to a confrontation with a poll watcher that happened moments before. This was precipitated because of a potential confrontation over poll watchers there creating stress in the polling place. Later in the meeting, a man stepped up to make a public comment. He claimed to be that poll watcher. It would be as much your fault as mine. And the reason is because we were there speaking about the election code. These are people who are not part of the electoral process, but are there just to watch the polls themselves. Brian Smith teaches political science at St. Edwards University. He says discourse like this has become more common in local elections. There's been questions over the elections, whether real or imaginary. And because of that, it's just this heightened anxiety over our electoral system. Voters Andrea and John Angelo cast their ballots at the Leander Library Wednesday. They said overall, they do trust the voting process in Williamson County. Easy, smooth. always smooth. We really respect 
the volunteers who come out and um, do their civic duty, and we really appreciate it. In Leander, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. Now, according to Williamson County, the poll worker is getting treatment at an area hospital. Going in depth, there are strict rules on what poll watchers can and cannot do. According to the Texas Secretary of State's office, while on duty, poll watchers cannot talk with an election worker regarding the election except to call attention to an irregularity or a violation of state law. They cannot talk with voters or communicate in any manner with the voter about the election. They cannot use a recording device while on duty. They cannot observe a voter as they make their selections. And that includes anyone a voter may have to ask to assist them with. Basically, can't disturb the peace or harass voters. And that includes within 100 feet of the entrance to the polling place. This week marks two years since an arsonist attacked in Austin Synagogue. Last night, Congregation Beth Israel holding a service to celebrate the community's new place of worship built on that same property. Congregation also recognized some of Austin firefighters who helped put out that fire. Members say the night of reflection is helping with the healing process. This is where my child grew up. I have my friends are here. Um, so to see that happen was was painful. The congregation is still deciding what to do with the old sanctuary. The man charged with setting the 2021 fire pleaded guilty to the crime earlier this year. Austin just helped move more than 40 people off the streets as part of the ongoing HEAL initiative. It happened after cleaning of camps at Barwood Park and Tom Donovan Nature Trail at Williamson Creek Greenbelt. Those people have now been transferred to the North Bridge and South Bridge shelters and will continue to get help from the city. Since June of 2021, the city has helped move more than 660 people out of high-risk encampments. Major SUV recall to tell you about. Toyota recalling nearly 1.9 million RAV4s over possible fire hazards. Covers certain RAV4s from 2013 through the 2018 model years. Company says it will notify owners by late December. Toyota did not say whether the problem has caused any fires or injuries. The state's first trauma recovery center just opened here in Austin. It aims to give survivors of violence resources to break the cycle. And Jayla Washington shows us how successful centers like this are. Understanding the impact of this moment is easier when you hear stories like Clarence Watson's. I was shot in a drive-by shooting in 1993. I still had a bullet in my shoulder. I've experienced homelessness um, and I was um, uh, I'm a survivor of sexual assault as a child. All the pain he's had to learn to manage over the years. Because I started to hide in, in the hurt. Led him to the role he's in today. But the work hasn't stopped. Fighting to bring this trauma recovery center to Austin. If I had, had access to, this, to these resources, the pain I experienced would have ended a long time ago. The new center gives victims of violence access to free services to help them recover. They can get food. They can get clothes. They can see a doctor. 
They can get legal assistance. It's a one-stop shop for survivors after traumatic events, meant to also be preventative to help stop cycles of violence. Texas is now just one of 12 states with a center like this one. And facilities like these in other places have shown real results, like more sexual assault survivors seeking medical treatment through trauma centers, more access to mental health services leading to better overall health, and a 41% reduction in homelessness when survivors get trauma care center services. And I can take that information to the legislature potentially and get funding there. There's help out here for you. Jayla Washington, KXAN News. The city of Austin and Travis County funds the center and the African American Harvest Foundation is running it. The National Alliance of Trauma Recovery Centers has built in measures that Austin's center will use to track the effectiveness of the services. For those listening on the KXAND Today podcast, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Here's what else we're tracking for you at 5 a.m. A look at how Austin city workers are preparing to handle a possible freeze.